Good morning, folks. It's good to see you in person this morning. Let's begin our time together in worship. Would you stand with me as we sing together this great song? What a great God we serve. Let's sing together this morning. shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou art then sings my soul Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. seated. Well, good morning. I know 
for some of you in the church family, this is the first time you've been back in the sanctuary for a service in 13 weeks, something like that. So I am excited to be able to tell you live. Uh, good morning and welcome to Pitts Baptist Church. We have a lot of guests today. Let me say before I go on, thank you to all of you who stayed at home today uh, to watch from online uh, to be able to make more room uh, so that we can social distance in here and more family and grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends could come and be a part of this very special day. Uh, I hope you brought your Kleenexes. I was looking up in the balcony and Braley is already crying with how great thou art. So I saw her already wiping. So are you ready? Did you bring a box? Okay, good. Just double checking there. Uh, we are excited. We've got a lot of great things planned today for this very special service. And so uh, we're excited about that. A couple of announcements I do want to mention. Uh, next Sunday, we had planned to go to Cedar Grove for a church picnic outside, five to eight. Well, we found out that they can only have 65 people there, so that will not work for us next Sunday. Uh, so please make a note that next Sunday evening from 5 to 8, we're going to meet down in our church parking lot, kind of like we did last week if you were a part of the outdoor service. Uh, if you would like to bring a tent, you can do that. If you want to bring a set of cornhole boards or some games, uh, you can do that. If you want to tailgate off the back of a pickup truck, uh, we're going to have some outdoor games set up. So from 5 to 8, we're going to meet down there, uh, bring all your food and utensils and all your stuff for your family, and we'll have just a big... Baptist redneck whatever party down there from from five to uh, eight next week next Sunday I'm looking forward to it. it'll be a great time together uh, to see everybody down there together so let's plan to do that uh, next Sunday evening now next week during the morning service we go back to our regular regular dual format at 1015 uh, those that are 65 and up will be in this room or compromised immune system will be in this room everyone else will be down in the core for overflow and we will continue to, to broadcast a live stream next Sunday. So all those options will be available to you for the morning service. In July, and we want to ask our church family to start praying this way, we're hoping that in July we will go back to a regular Sunday and regular Wednesday schedule. So be watching for that. We're waiting for the uh, new news to come out about regulations and all that. But we're going to try, and we're praying that in July we'll be go going back to somewhat of a regular schedule. So again, thank you for being with us. I do want to recognize every year at this time, we like to recognize our graduates from undergraduate and graduate degrees. So let me list those out to you. Uh, we have Ashton Brown, who is graduating from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill with an, a degree in exercise and sports science. Victoria Campbell, she graduated last December from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte with a degree in communication studies. And then Becky Campbell, her mom, actually went to school the same time she was going, which is kind of crazy, uh, got a degree in hospitality management from Troy University. And then Brandon Holloman uh, finished up his master's degree from NC State in accounting. And then Michael Morris got a degree, an associate's degree from Central Piedmont Community College. Zach Saunders graduated from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte with a double major in political science and criminal justice. And then Ben Thomas will be graduating after this summer from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington with a degree in recreation, sports, and tourism management. And then Allison Waters graduated from Catawba College with a degree in economics and finance. So those are our uh, undergraduate and postgraduate uh, honors there. So at this time, 
but he asked you in honor of our graduates to stand for the entry of our 2020 high school graduates. Thank you so much. Would you please be seated? I want to add my welcome to you this morning on this very special Sunday. You know, as Kevin was reading uh, some of those who have graduated college, it seems just like yesterday they were at this stage graduating from high school. Man, how time flies. And I'm sure you parents out there are thinking to yourself, you're exactly right. Time has flown by. I'm sure you can remember just like it was yesterday as you held your child in your arms when they're infants and you rocked them to sleep. And so, Jennifer, I didn't say that for you to start crying, but uh, it, time has really flown by. But I'm so thankful that you are here this morning to celebrate this day. You know, this day was simply set apart to honor our graduates. And... Uh, if you're here, you've had an integral part in raising them spiritually. Moms, dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, Sunday school teachers. You're here because you've had such an important role in their lives uh, to get them to where they are, not just academically, but spiritually. And therefore, we want to come and say thank you this morning as we worship the Lord together. Uh, before I, I read a passage of scripture and some comments and actually introduce the graduates, I wanted to introduce uh, our speaker to you this morning. Um, he hails from Andrews, North Carolina. Really, probably does not need an introduction here at Snowbird, I mean at uh, Pitts Baptist Church, because uh, our, our youth have been going to Snowbird Wilderness Act Theaters since 1998. I think the camp started in 1997, and you think the, the wrecks are extreme now who have been to Snowbird? You should have been there in 1998 when I think mountain surfing, uh, sliding down a mud hill, uh, was a, a wreck for Snowbird. So uh, they have definitely come a long way, but Brody is the, the co-founder, the executive director, and lead pastor of Snowbird, and uh, he has had... He's here today, especially because he's had uh, a, a very important part in, in our students' spiritual walk. And so, Brody, we're thankful that you're here today. We look forward to hearing from you and what the Lord has put on your heart uh, to give to a challenge to not only our graduates, but to, to everyone who is listening uh, online and who's here today. Uh, he's been married 26 years He's got uh, five children, and two of those just adopted like three or four years ago. Is that about right? 
somewhere around there. Time flies, right? So, and uh, his uh, oldest son is with him here today, uh, Tuck. So, we want to welcome them, them and I know that you will uh, welcome uh, and hear his words uh, uh, gratefully and thankfully as he comes and he preaches the word of the Lord to us. Um, there have been a lot of people who have made this day possible. Uh, a lot of work. We, we had no idea um, we would be here uh, on this day until just a few weeks ago. And so a lot has had to happen in order for this to take place. And so um, I really want to thank uh, lots of people, um, starting with uh, Laura Turner and Lisa Barfield and their girls for getting the the core gym set up for our luncheon today and doing a lot of other works behind the scenes. They've worked extremely hard. Jonathan Turner worked extremely hard, as he always does, to make this day possible, not only for everybody viewing at home, but uh, just the, uh, the physicality of being here in this service. So lots of work that Jonathan has done. Um, Deanna Jordan made uh, our lunch video. Um, big shout out to her. Thank you for that. We'll enjoy that after lunch today or during lunch. Uh, and then Stephen Libby, who's our caterer today, is going to be good to, to celebrate around a meal. Uh, but there's lots of other folks uh, who have made this day special. And uh, my heart goes out to them. I'm very grateful and thankful for all of them. And it's in an effort. Guys, listen, it's in an effort to honor you. Um, you guys have had a lot taken away from you past few months, a lot of things that, that you guys have had to miss out on. And, uh, uh, and so we're sorry for that, but we're grateful for this day and what this day is going to be like. We want to make it as much like a graduation service as, as possible. Um, but even though this day is set aside to, to honor you and give thanks to your parents and loved ones for being here, we would miss the mark. Listen, we would miss the mark if we did not give credit where credit is due, and that is to the Lord Jesus. You know, he said, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. It's not only this day that the Lord has made, but the Lord makes every day. He makes Every single day. And therefore, we can come to him and give him thanks and praise for allowing this day to happen. And so we want to make sure that as we honor our graduates, that we truly, indeed, worship the Lord. I want to share a passage of scripture for you before I recognize the graduates. And this one simple truth uh, from that passage of scripture is found in Romans 8, starting in verse 31. And it says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No 
In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The truth that I want you to know from this is that no matter what circumstances life throws your way, whether you walk through a pandemic, whether things good or bad happen to you, that nothing, absolutely nothing, can change God's love for you and for us. What a blessed assurance. Praise the Lord. Praise his name. Thank you all for being here. Really appreciate it. We are going to... Um, Recognize the graduates now one by one, and um, as we do so, uh, Molly is handing out um, a, a Bible to them. If we can leave anything with them as a church of value, it is the Word of God, because the grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God remains forever. And so they will receive a nice study Bible from our church as a gift. Uh, and so uh, our first graduate is Zach Barbie. Zach is a graduate of the Jesse C. Carson High School. He is a three-time all-county and a three-time all-conference cross-country runner. He's a National Honor Society member, a National Technical Honor Society, all-academic 12th grade. And uh, Zach, we're getting this thing started off right because I understand that you're going to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, right? Can we get an amen out there? One clap, thank you. All right, uh, my heart's with you. I'll be, I'll be looking for you next year on the TV as you're at those basketball games. Um, but his favorite Bible verse is Exodus 33:14. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Barbie. Our next graduate is Isaac Paul Booth. Isaac is a graduate of First Assembly here in, in Concord. He was all-county and all-state in basketball, and he was also part of the state championship team in basketball at CFA this, uh, this past year. Uh, I will say this, we have our men's league that uh, runs in the winter as well. His team, he was on a team, and his team was pretty good, but when he got here, he elevated that team quite a bit. I think his teammates would uh, say yes to that as well. Um, but he is going to UNCC as a preferred walk-on to play uh, college basketball. And uh, we are very thankful that he is here and able to participate. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Isaac Booth. <laughs> Next we have Carmen Elaine Borchert. Carmen is a graduate of Hickory Ridge High School. And she will be attending Roan Community College, and her favorite Bible verse is Luke 17, 33. And I think one of the biggest accomplishments that she's ever had is to put up with her brother, Tucker. And so we're grateful for that. So ladies and gentlemen, Carmen Borchert. <laughs> Next we have Jackson Carter Braley. Uh, Carter is a graduate of Concord High School, 
and he intends to plan Rowan Cabarrus Community College as well. And he's another star in our men's basketball league uh, this past year that we had to cut short because of COVID. Um, but his favorite verse is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Ladies and gentlemen, Carter Braley. <laughs> Jeb, before you come up, I got somebody I want to introduce here that's watching at home. And his name is Christian Thomas Britt. And um, Christian really wanted to be a part of the service today, but he has a very uh, compromised immune system. Uh, so Christian, I know you're watching now. We love you, and we miss you being here today. Um, he'll be graduating from the King's Academy, and he'll be going to Central Piedmont Community College. His favorite Bible verse is also uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And I will say this about Christian. On social media, I never see Christian posting anything about his opinion. Anything and everything he posts is always scripture. And so I think that's just real admirable. So Christian, um, uh, we miss you, um, but we honor you this day. So give Christian a round of applause as well. <laughs> Next we have Jeremiah Bundy, more affectionately known as Jeb. He uh, is a graduate from J.N. Robinson High School. And you are going to walk on in baseball, right? At what school? Lenore Community College. And so Jeb's uh, been a, a great baseball player all through his high school years and even before that. And so we want to wish him well there. His favorite Bible verse is Joshua 1.9. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremiah Bundy. <laughs> Next we have Ryan Daniel Estes. Ryan is a graduate of Cox Mill High School, and his honors are the Summa Cum Laude Beta Club National Honor Society, and he played soccer for four years. Uh, he will be attending NC State University. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, there's a couple claps. Uh, we need to pray for him. <laughs> Uh, but uh, his favorite Bible verse is Romans 12, 12. So, Ryan, congratulations. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Estes. And then we have Haley Ford. Haley is a graduate of J.M. Robinson High School, and her college plans are yet to be uh, determined uh, and her favorite Bible verse is John 3, 16. So we're very thankful for Haley and her years of service here in youth ministry. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Haley Ford. <laughs> Next we have William Kaysen Gardner. Kaysen is more affectionately known in the youth group as the coach. We just call him the coach. Every year that we have Fantasy Football League and Youth Group, he always wins. During the draft, we're like, why is he drafting him? Why is he drafting him? But every year he winds up winning. I don't know. But he is called the coach. We love Kaysen. Kaysen uh, is uh, a, a high school graduate of Gardner's Learning Mission. And uh, so a big thanks right there to Shannon because I know that a lot of the, his education was dependent upon you and Bill. So we thank you for that. His honors include three years on the Youth Legislative Assembly, 
four years on Cabarrus Youth Commission, where he served as the vice president for one year. He had a 3.85 GPA, and this is really cool. He had 200 plus hours, service hours for Operation Christmas Child, and he is a National Honor Society member. Uh, his plans are he will be going to Catawba College on a merit scholarship. And his favorite Bible verse is Philippians 4, verse 13. Ladies and gentlemen, Kaysen Gardner, the coach. Next, we have Owen Harmon. Scoot on in here a little bit, Owen, so the camera can get you out there. Owen is a graduate of Hickory Ridge High School. He made the A honor roll, and right now his plans for college are undecided. His favorite Bible verse is John 3.16, and his favorite camp is Snowbird, right? Amen, brother. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Owen Harmon. Next, we have Morgan Holloman. Carmen Harn, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I skipped one. Carmen Harn. That's pretty bad when you got them all listed out right here in alphabetical order and you mess up. So, uh, but, uh, uh, Cameron is a high school graduate of Hickory Ridge High School. She was an all-state regional cheerleader in 2019, and her plans are to attend UNC Charlotte, and her favorite Bible verse is Hebrews 13.8. Ladies and gentlemen, Cameron Harn. Now Morgan Holloman. Sorry about that, Morgan. Morgan is also a graduate from J.M. Robinson High School. Uh, her honors include being a part of the Beta Club, and her intentions are to go to UNC Charlotte, and her favorite Bible verse is Matthew 19, verse 26. Ladies and gentlemen, Morgan Holloman. Next, we have Barrett Jones. Barrett is a graduate of Mount Pleasant High School, and his awards are FCA Award, the History Award, the Adobe Certification, Delaware, he was a part of our Delaware Mission Trip Team, and he was also on the A Honor Roll. His plans are to go to Rowan Cabarrus Community College, and his favorite Bible verse is Psalm 139, verses 14 through 16. Ladies and gentlemen, Barrett Jones. Next, we have Joshua Daniel Jordan. Joshua is a graduate of J.M. Robinson High School, and he is an Eagle Scout Award winner. Lots of work involved there. Uh, his intentions are to go to Rowan Cabarrus Community College, and his favorite Bible verse is also Philippians 4.13. Joshua Daniel Jordan. Next, we have Parker Lee Kirby. Parker is a graduate also of J.M. Robinson High School, and his honors are the NAF Track Certification, and he will be going to Rowan Cabarrus Community College in the fall, and his favorite Bible chapter is Psalms 23. Ladies and gentlemen, Parker Kirby. <laughs> Next, we have Jacob Alexander Lafferty. Jacob is a graduate of the Cannon School, and his honors are he's Eagle Scout rank. He actually built a picnic area for kids at church uh, of, of, of God's children, of the God's children's home. And he completed all three 
High Adventure Camps. Uh, he was a mentor for Eye to Eye, which is a nonprofit for kids with learning disabilities. And he was also on the swim team there, and that's where he plans to go to the University of Lynchburg and be on the swim team. His favorite Bible verse is Colossians 3.23. Ladies and gentlemen, Jacob Lafferty. <laughs> Next, we have Josh Lapish. Josh is a graduate of Hickory Ridge High School. Uh, his honors include a 4.0 GPA and a uh, beta club. You know, I had a 4.0 GPA, it was cumulative. 1.0 my freshman year, 1.0 my sophomore year, 1.0 my junior. I was there, bro. We brothers, good. Oh, we're not supposed to do that, sorry. Okay, uh, but he'll be going to Elon College and his favorite Bible verse is Colossians 2.13. Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Lapish. Next we have Aaron Layton, Aaron James Layton. He's a graduate of Northwest Cabarrus High School, uh, participant on the varsity, JVs and Varsity's baseball team. Uh, his intentions are to go to UNC Charlotte, and his favorite Bible verse is Romans 8, 18. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Layton. <laughs> Next, his twin brother, Andrew David Layton. Who's older? You, me, <laughs> I'm older. Um, he's also a graduate of Northwest Cabarrus High School, and he also participated in baseball uh, through high school. Uh, his honors include Beta Club. He also goes to UNC Charlotte, and his favorite Bible verse is Jeremiah 29:11. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Layton. <laughs> Next, we have Hannah Mills. Hannah is a graduate of Mount Pleasant High School. She is a Phi Theta Kappa. I don't know what that is, but that's, it sounds really good. So uh, Phi Theta Kappa, she, she's going to be going to Wingate University, and her favorite Bible verse is Psalm 139, verse 14. Ladies and gentlemen, Hannah Mills. Let's scoot on just a little bit there. Next we have Hannah Rose Mullins. She's a, she's a graduate of Northwest Cabarrus High School. Did you have your mom in math class? Is she a good teacher? This is, oh, okay, well, this is on TV, so... Sorry about that, Karen. I didn't do it. <laughs> but she is a Beta Club member, a math honor society, Mu Alpha Fay. Man, I never knew there was such a thing. So, but she is going to the best college in the world, Appalachian State University. Go Nears. Yes. Just some applause for that. I hear that. And her favorite Bible verse is 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. Ladies and gentlemen, Hannah Rose Mullins. Next, we have Isaac Myers. He is a graduate of Central Cabarrus High School. His honors include a STEM diploma, a National Technical Honor Society, and cum laude. I guess that's all the stoles, cum laude. That's congratulations. I, they were like, thank laude, Kevin's gone when I got out of high school. <laughs> he plans on going to UNC Charlotte, and his favorite Bible verse is Romans 5-6. Ladies and gentlemen, Isaac Myers. Next, we have Chase Linden Styers. He is a graduate of Mount Pleasant High School, and his honors include the Pink Chord for Music, Marching Band Leadership Team, and the Band Director's Award. He is planning on going to RCCC in the fall, 
followed by a, a, a university that's unspecified right now. And his favorite Bible verse is Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Ladies and gentlemen, Chase Styers. <laughs> Next, we have Josh Suggs. Josh is a graduate of Hickory Ridge High School, and he, there he played on the baseball team. And uh, his college plans are to go to, to Western Carolina. So, Brody, he's going to be right down the road from you. So, you just go snatch him and bring him to Red Oak Baptist Church. So, um, but his favorite Bible verse is Philippians 4, 5 through 11. Ladies and gentlemen, Joshua Suggs. <laughs> Next, we have Braden Isabel Teat. Braden is a graduate also of CFA Academy with a dual enrollment at RCCC. She is a National Honor Society and an honors graduate, and she is also going to Western Carolina University. And her favorite Bible verse is Ecclesiastes 3, 11 through 12. Ladies and gentlemen, Braden Teat. And our last graduate is Caitlin Rebecca Williams. And she is a graduate of Northside Christian Academy. And her awards are National Honor Society, Nation, National Spanish Honor Society, National Society of High School Scholars, an honor graduate. She has over 300 plus hours of community service. She received the Christian Character Award. And, and then she was a part of the Fine Arts Distinction and a member of the Homecoming Court. And then her college plans are also Western Carolina University. Right there you go. Three new members. Right there you go. And her favorite Bible verse is Proverbs 16.3. Ladies and gentlemen, Caitlin Williams. <laughs> Would you uh, join with me in recognizing all our graduates one more time? Congratulations, <laughs> graduates of 2020. Now, Charlie Brackett, grandfather of Joshua Suggs, is going to come and have a word of prayer. First of all, I'd just like to say congratulations, guys, as you get ready to embark on a new chapter of life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we just want to lift these young men and women up to you. And I pray, Father, that uh, they will not forget your word, that they'll continue in it, that their hearts keep your commandments, oh God, for length of day, long life, and peace that can be added unto you. I also pray, Father, that mercy and truth will not escape you, that you'll bind those on your necks, that you'll write them on your hearts, so you will find favor and high esteem in the eyes of God and of man. And most of all, I pray that you will trust in the Lord with all your heart. You won't lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, you will acknowledge Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will direct your paths. Father, I pray that you give them wisdom and understanding of your word, that they will truly know you and your power in their lives, Father, to make godly decisions 
which will honor your name and glorify you. Father, bless these young men and women. Keep them safe, Father. Let them always be under your guidance. We just pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And just say thank you, Father, and amen. Amen. As we continue in worship together, would you stand with me as we sing? Never once will our Father let us down. Amen. Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us, kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory was your power. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can say, never once did we ever walk alone, never once did you leave us on our own, you are God, you are faithful. Kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much we've done, knowing every victory was your power. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can say. Never once did we ever walk alone, never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful, God, you are faithful, you are faithful, God, you are faithful. Scars and struggles on the way. But with joy our hearts can say, never once did we ever walk alone. Carried by your constant grace, held within your perfect peace. Never once, no, we never walk alone. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. Every step we are breathing in your grace. Evermore we'll be breathing out your praise. You are faithful. God, you are faithful. You are faithful. God, you are faithful. 
God, you are faithful. You are faithful. God, you are faithful. Amen. You may be seated.
got our staff quarantined right now so they can uh, run camp. She wanted to be here. She sent a letter to Clark. Gave it to Kevin. I forgot Seeger plays drums. <laughs> he, uh, we had him, uh, my wife was, so my wife's a drummer at Snowbird, and she was, her, she and my daughter, my oldest daughter were overseas, I think they were in Thailand, and we had an event in the Charlotte area, it's like a three, three night event, and so Seeger came and played drums for us, and we renamed, instead of the Swo Band, we named it the Kevin Seeger Band. And, uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. That was awesome. The, the relationship that we have with this church as a ministry that Snowbird has with this church, as uh, Kevin Knight alluded to, it's, it's really deep. I think, I was talking to Jessica Combs before service, I think over 100 Pitts students have come and served at SWO in some capacity. And I was trying to think who the first one was. It would have been a kid named Ryan Leister who I don't even know if he was a, like a member of the church. I think he may have even come as a guest and then got involved in the youth ministry. But like he had his 20th high school reunion last summer. That tells you how long the partnership has lasted. So that's pretty neat. And I remember Ryan Leister, I, 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 did, I thought his last name was Murphy. I thought his name was Ryan Murphy, so I nicknamed him Murph. I, I nicknamed everybody. Nicknamed him Murph, and about halfway through the summer, I remember he said, where'd you come up with that nickname? <laughs> and I said, your last name, it's Murphy. He said, nope, nope, my last name's Leister. So anyway, <laughs> after that, we got it right. It's been a good partnership ever since. So I'm going to talk fast, and I want to share, um, how do you do this? How do you share with a group of young adults who are standing on the precipice of potential world-changing impact? You guys have more potential to do more than what you can imagine right now. In fact, the scripture even alludes to that. It says that God is capable of doing in and through you more than you could even ask. So whatever you would ask that God might use you for, he can go above and beyond that. And I'm gonna, you guys have grown up, most of you coming to SWO, and I'm kind of a gunslinging preacher, and I kind of run and snort and jump and holler, but I'm gonna stick to the script today, okay? because I really want to give you information that will edify you and encourage you. Then I'm going to make this available to you. I think maybe I'll put it on my blog site. So you'll have, because there's a ton of points and information I want to hammer, with you, hammer you with today. And those of you that are here as parents and family to support these guys, I want us to, as I've prepared this message this morning, I've been challenged to go back to the roots and the core of my 20-year-old self where I met Jesus as a 20-year-old. And, and where as these Bibles were being handed out, I thought of my own conversion came reading the King James pocket Bible that I was given at the graduation Sunday at my mother's church. Two years later, I took that Bible out, searching and seeking and lost in this world, and God um, showed me his plan for my life and saving me. And so... I want us as adults to step back. This is, this is a charge to these graduates, but it's an opportunity for us to recalibrate and say, are we doing all that God would have us to do in our lives? To take a temperature check at, at age 30 or 40 or 60 or 80 or beyond. And those of you that, that might be watching um, online, that we would self-examine. And so I want to read one verse as our text now, normally, I would simply preach what's called an expository message. That is what preaching is, after all. 
But today I want to speak to you in a different format. So an expository message is where we take a passage and we walk through that passage. That's what happens here at church. That's what happens when you come to SWO. This is going to be more of a charge to you graduates driven from the gospel and driven from scripture. So I want to read um, one quote and then one verse of scripture. The quote is from John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. If you haven't read it, you should. This is the perfect time in your life to read this book. Um, And he says this. You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world, but you do have to know a few great things that matter, perhaps just one, and then be willing to live for them and even to die for them. The people that make a durable difference in the world are not the people who have mastered many things, but who have been mastered by one great thing. And that's the gospel. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says this, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And I want to talk to you this morning about becoming men and women, about putting away the childish things of this world and about learning how to reason and think and act like men and women of God and how to take hold of big things that are potential life changers, not just for you, but for others. And I want to challenge the church, family, and friends to encourage and do everything in our capacity to push these students in that direction as they step into adulthood. I want to share six thoughts that are driven from this passage. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Verses 11 and 12, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And these verses were given four things that define a godly man or a godly woman. And these four things make up the first of the six things that I want to share with you. Four things in these verses that define a godly man or a godly woman. First is, you are defined by what you flee from. A godly man or a godly woman is defined by what he or she flees from. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee sexual sin. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14, flee idolatry. In 2 Timothy 2, 22, flee youthful passions or lusts and pursue after God. Additionally, a man or woman of God is defined by what you pursue or follow after. So it's not just what you run from. It's what you follow after. Y'all, there's times when you're going to need to fight in life, and there's times when you're going to need to run. Think of the story of Joseph when Potiphar's wife came to him and he ran. Was that cowardly? No, it took a lot of courage. But the other times, you're going to need to stand and fight. You're going to need to fight for the marginalized. You're going to need to fight for the conviction driven from Scripture. You're going to need to fight for the unborn. You're going to need to fight for those that Jesus would fight for. You need to know when to run. You need to know when to fight. But when you do flee, you need to know what you're pursuing or following after. See, you can't run from one thing effectively without running towards something greater. Thomas Chalmers, the Puritan writer, wrote a book called The Expulsive Power of a Greater Affection. It's a big sentence, isn't it? Expulsive power of a greater affection. It means my affection needs to be on something that's great enough to expel or throw out the worldly or sinful affections of the flesh. And Paul tells us in these verses that the way I do that is to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Additionally, a man or woman of God is defined by what you fight for. What you fight for. 
And lastly, about what you take hold of. He says we're to take hold of eternal life. Second thing I want you to see is that there are no days off. In your pursuit of holiness, there are no days off. You get zero days off. You get a day off from work. Some people get two days off from work every week. It's called a weekend. Throughout history, people took one day off. In America, we're like, no, we can do better. We get a weekend. It's two days. But when it comes to your personal holiness, there's no days off. When it comes to what you flee from and pursue after and fight for and take hold of, you don't take days off. There's a story in 1 Kings chapter 13 of a very godly man. In fact, he does a very courageous thing and he confronts a pagan king and he confronts him to his face and, the, and like, like literally risks life and limb to take the word of the Lord as a prophet of the Lord and go before a worldly king who can have him killed. And he stands with boldness and courage and it's a story of conviction and he speaks before this king and all these false prophets are lined up, hundreds of them maybe, maybe more, I don't know, but all these false prophets are speaking against him and then this man says, no, here's what the word of the Lord says and he speaks and he delivers the word of the Lord with conviction and power. And then God says, when you're done, return home don't stop. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Y'all don't even know that joke, probably. That's old. That's from the, the game Monopoly. <laughs> Y'all ever play that? <laughs> go home, he says. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. God gives him a direction. Sometimes in your life, God's going to give you a very clear path. Sometimes it's going to be filled with a little bit more option and choice for you. Sometimes he's going to give you a very clear instruction. And so this man's told by God, walk home, go, go deliver the word of God, then go home. And on his way home, he gets sidetracked. And you can read the story in 1 Kings 13, and I dare you to read it and not be shocked when you get to the punchline, because all of a sudden, God sends a lion to maul this man and kill him. And you read the story, and you go, what in the world is this all about? And we've got a saying it slow with our staff. Jessica Combs could finish it if I started it. Take a day off, get eaten by a lion. And the scripture teaches us that there's a roaring lion who's trying to devour you every day of your life. The enemies of the world and the flesh and Satan are coming after you. Don't take any days off. Don't lie to yourself and say, I deserve a break spiritually. I deserve to indulge in the flesh just this one moment. It won't hurt anything. Don't take any days off. Take days off physically. Go to the lake. Go to the beach. Throw frisbee with somebody if that's your thing. Play a musical instrument, learn a language, take days off from the demands and difficulties of life, but don't take days off from Jesus. It'll wreck you in a moment. So many people in a moment have traded everything. Number three, you're to fix your eyes on Jesus and behold his glory every day. Consider Romans 11, 33 through 36 in this passage that is a doxological passage, it's a passage that, where we, we sort of scream the glory of God when we even read it. He says, who has known the mind of the Lord and who has given a gift to God that he might be repaid? For from him and through him are to, and to him are all things. To God be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. We need daily to be reminded of the grandeur of God and the teeny tiny smallness of us. And when we put ourselves in those situations that show us the glory of God, we will erupt in crescendos of worship, even in the moment. 
We need to strive every day to come to that same place. Look around literally every day. For me, this is easy. I live at the base of the Snowbird Mountains. I drink my morning coffee, watching my chickens peck in front of me, and watching the Snowbird Mountain Range light up with the sun's first rays. It's not hard to see the glory of God. It could be if you're looking at the back of a concrete building. But look up, because the heavens declare the glory of God. Take it in every day. On any given day, God's glory is reflected in creation. In fact, his very sovereignty is reflected in creation. Let's consider creation for just a moment so that we might be overwhelmed. Listen to this quote from Charles Swindoll. Take this in, okay? This has driven me to worship this week. Take this in. Imagine a perfectly smooth glass pavement in which the finest speck can be seen. Perfectly smooth. Then shrink our sun from 865,000 miles in diameter and circumference. I don't know what that would be. 865 miles diameter. That's the one that goes through it, right? Some of you guys had a bunch of things after your name. You're smart, right? <laughs> diameter here, circumference here, right? Radius is middle to outside, right? So, so through the middle of the sun, 865,000, you can put something like over a million, I don't remember how many million earths in the sun. 865,000 miles in diameter, shrink that down to two feet. I'm going to give you a scale of our solar system. Shrink that down to two feet, a beach ball right here. Place that ball on the pavement to represent the sun. Now step off 83 paces straight out into the church parking lot to represent proportionately the first planet, Mercury, and put down a mustard seed on the ground. Take 60 more steps for Venus, put an ordinary BB, mark 78 more steps, put down a green P representing Earth, step off 108 paces from there, and for Mars, put down a pinhead, sprinkle around some fine dust for asteroids, then take 788 more steps for Jupiter, place an orange on the glass at that spot. After 934 more steps, put down a golf ball for Saturn, and now it gets really involved. Mark 2,086 steps to the next planet and drop a marble. Another 2,322 steps from there, and you arrive at Neptune. And let's let a cherry represent Neptune. This will take two and a half miles, and we've not even discussed Pluto. If we swing completely around, we have a smooth glass surface five miles across, yet just a tiny fraction of the heavens excluding Pluto. On this surface, five miles across, we have only a seed, a BB, a pea, a pinhead, some dust, an orange, a golf ball, a marble, and a cherry. Guess how far we'd have to go on the same scale before we could put down another two-foot ball to represent the nearest star. Come on, yes, 700 paces, 200 steps more, 4,400 feet. Nope, you'd be way off. We'd have to go 6,720 miles before we would arrive at the next two-foot star. I scaled that. I put up this thing on my phone called Google Maps. Tokyo from here. If we're going to put two beach balls representing our sun and the next closest one, it would be here and in Tokyo to scale that means it's big. Y'all tracking? Overwhelming, in fact. That's right, 6,720 miles, not feet, and that's just the first star among how many stars? We don't even know. They're uncountable. 
millions and millions in one galaxy among perhaps hundreds maybe thousands and all of it is in perpetual motion perfectly synchronized the most accurate timepiece known to man and y'all the new atheists would say that we live by faith and they would teach you that that synchronization came from nothing it's absurd who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor and who has given a gift to God that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to God be the glory forever and ever amen never stop taking in and beholding the glory of God if you want to bring it a little closer to home let's stick with planet earth just on this planet just right here without leaving the earth let's let's scale it down because the solar system's more than we can comprehend so let's bring it in let's rein it in on this planet alone consider the Mariana Trench you guys studied this right familiar with it Located in the Western Pacific, east of the Philippines, an average of approximately 124 miles east of the Mariana Islands. The Mariana Trench is a crescent-shaped scar in the Earth's crust that measures more than 1,500 miles long and 43 miles wide on average. The distance between the surface of the ocean and the trench's deepest point, the Challenger Deep, which lies about 200 miles southwest of the U.S. territory of Guam, is nearly seven miles. If Mount Everest were dropped into the Mariana Trench, its peak would still be more than a mile underwater. Your mind should be getting blown right now. The Mariana Trench is part of a global network of deep troughs that cut across the ocean floor. They form when two tectonic plates collide. At the collision point, one of the plates dives beneath the other into the Earth's mantle, creating an ocean trench. The depths of the Mariana Trench were first plumbed in 1875 by the British ship HMS Challenger as part of the first global oceanographic cruise. The Challenger scientists recorded a depth of 4,475 fathoms, about five miles, using a weighted sounding rope. It was very, very primitive for measuring depth. In 1951, the British vessel, vessel HMS Challenger 2 returned to the same spot with an echo sounder and measured a depth of nearly seven miles. The majority of the Mariana Trench is now a U.S. protected zone as part of the Mariana's Trench Marine National Monument established by President George W. Bush in 2009. Permits for research in the monument, including in the Serena Deep, have been secured from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Permits for research in the Challenger Deep have been secured from the Federated States of Micronesia. Because of its extreme depth, stay with me. Y'all think this is dry and boring. You're going to college in August. <laughs> Trust me, this is not bad, okay? Because of its extreme depth, the Mariana Trench is cloaked in perpetual darkness and the temperature is just a few degrees above freezing. The water pressure at the bottom of the trench is a crushing eight tons per square inch or about a thousand times the standard atmospheric pressure at sea level. Pressures increase with depth. The first and only humans descended in the Challenger Deep more than 50 years ago. In 1960, Jacques Picard and Navy Lieutenant Don Walsh reached, the goal, uh, reached this goal in a U.S. Navy submersible Bathyscaph called uh, the, the Triest. The triest. Uh, after a five-hour descent, the pair spent only a scant 20 minutes at the bottom and were unable to take any photographs due to the clouds of silt stirred up by their passage. Until Picard and Walsh's historic dive, 
Scientists had debated whether life could exist under such extreme pressure, but at the bottom, the Trias floodlight illuminated a creature that Picard thought was a flatfish, a moment that Picard would later describe with excitement in a book about his journey. Here in an instant was the answer that biologists had asked for decades. Could life exist in the greatest depths of the ocean? It could. And what's so fascinating about it is that fish survives at sea level and at that depth. And scientists cannot figure out how the internal pressure keeps it from exploding at that depth. And it still doesn't explode it at sea level. It's a miracle of God. Consider Mount Everest. Consider the atom. Consider the human eye or the development of a baby in the womb. Something every day should drive us to behold the glory of God in our lives. Number four, let the gospel drive everything you do. I mean everything, relationships, career path, job choices, how you spend your money, how you use your gifts, how you proceed with the opportunities that God puts in front of you. But just remember this, it's always all about Jesus. Everything we do is driven by and hangs on this reality that the gospel is all about Jesus. Remember the past work of the gospel. Remember the incarnation, the prophetic fulfillment, the life, ministry, temptation, victory, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And remember that that death was substitutionary, vicarious, and just. Remember that doctrine matters. What you know and believe will drive what you do. The engine for life is what you believe in the deepest recesses of your heart and your soul and your mind. So know what you believe. God's word is authoritative, it is sufficient, and the gospel is central, and God's word must be handled rightly in every application, both personally and professionally. The gospel calls us to action so that we are on mission here and abroad. Never stop believing and working to reach all people with Jesus' gospel and believe. Please believe in the power of that gospel. Those of you that attended Snowbird last summer, you heard about a man named Bashir. We can say that now. We haven't been able to say it out loud because of the threat to his life. My son-in-law, I have a son-in-law and daughter-in-law that serve overseas uh, on the mission field, and he led Bashir to Christ in February or March of 2019. Bashir was, was, the, was the sixth son of the first wife of a polygamist warlord in the Muslim faith. This man had three wives. I think 18 or 20 children, and Bashir was the sixth child of the first wife. He was the only one to turn to Christianity. He embraced the gospel when Greg shared it with him. Many of you heard Greg share this testimony last summer. Since then, Bashir has been imprisoned, beaten, his life threatened. Three of the people that he led to Christ have died as martyrs. And last Sunday night, I got a message from Bashir. Today, 90 new believers took communion together in the city of Injamina, Chad. This has never happened before. Why? Because the gospel doesn't only have the power to save, it has the power to spread. And we've been called by what is known as the Great Commission, which is a command. So spend your life spreading the gospel. Because the gospel matters for every part of life. The gospel is not only the power of God that saves me, but is the ongoing power that the Holy Spirit is working in me. And number five, choose your heroes wisely. But choose heroes. You're walking into a call-out culture. You're walking into a cancel culture, a shame culture, 
a culture that celebrates victimhood. What I mean by that is not that we should ignore those have had, who have had injustices and wrong done against them, but we're talking about a culture where it is no longer right to do what is just and good and to celebrate heroes. Recently reading a book by Dan Crenshaw called Fortitude, and in that book he talks about how as a child we celebrated make-believe heroes like Superman and Jedis. And we celebrated real-life heroes like Rosa Parks and Mother Teresa and Jesus. He used Jesus. I don't know if he's a Christian. I'm like, he's more than a hero. You know what I'm saying? But we get it. But we're in a, we're in a culture right now where the people that are celebrated are the people, tend to be the people that, listen to me, that whine the loudest. That bellyache and complain and are entitled. You need to crush entitlement. Pick people who have changed the world and are continuing to change the world. Paul said to Timothy, emulate me as I emulate Christ. Pick heroes. And six, and final, put into practice these things. I'm going to rattle off some things that I want you to put into practice. Again, this list will be available to you if you want it. If you don't, it won't hurt my feelings, but listen to it right now, okay? This is... Uh, this is entitled Becoming an Asset, Not a Liability. How do we put all this stuff into day-to-day practice? Be professional. Learn how to dress, communicate, interact, make eye contact. Use real words that have appropriate meaning. Avoid using word, the word like all the time. Your generation loves that word. It's okay sometimes, but let's monitor that. Oh, yeah, learn to say less, better, and with precision. Be proficient. Learn the necessary skills to not only get the job done, but to get the job done well. Be proactive. Don't wait to be told what to do. When you finish a task that has been assigned to you, find another task and go do that one. Strive for mastery. Don't settle for just getting by. Too many people are content to do the minimum. Good enough should never be good enough for you. Don't blow off mistakes. Take them serious. Set out to correct what you broke. Finish what you start. Fulfill your commitments. Know the difference between an excuse and a reason. You can likely talk yourself into breaking a commitment and justify your actions when you're simply making an excuse for breaking a commitment and going back on your word. Know the difference. Expand your vocabulary, both professionally and in life in general. Aim for success and refuse to settle for failure. But when you do fail, and you will, accept, learn, correct, and get better. Remember who you ultimately work for. The Lord is being reflected in everything that you do. Expand and grow always. Don't achieve a level of efficiency and settle for that. Remember, we're pursuing proficiency. The best leaders first learn from following and from learning. In order to be a good leader or a good team player, we must first learn to take orders, accept responsibility, get the job done, and crush the attitude of entitlement that is so prevalent in our society. Don't make excuses, but rather accept responsibility for all of your actions. Don't leave any task unfinished. This may mean working late or arriving early. Get rid of the mindset of showing up at the last minute, half-dressed, half-clean, stumbling in, and leaving punctually. If you hit a wall and don't know what to do, find someone who can help you over the hurdle or tear the wall down. Do yourself do everything yourself you can to make yourself indispensable. Learn how to do the jobs of those around you. Go the extra mile. Encourage teammates. You want to be liked and enjoyed more than just being the boss. Know whose you are, and you will know who you are. Because ownership determines identity, value, and purpose. See, we all belong to somebody. You belong to the world. 
You belong to your peer group. You belong to the system. Jesus says, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. So glorify Christ Jesus in your body. Be teachable. Don't be a know-it-all. And I like this one. Surround yourself with gunslingers that want to move the world and get things done. Don't surround yourself with lazy sloths that are trying to cruise by. In conclusion, life is short, but life is long. That may seem like an obvious contradiction, but we need to prepare for the long haul and know there will be wins and losses. There will be good days and bad days, good seasons, bad seasons. Sometimes your life will be dull and boring, other times overwhelming and stressful, and others it will be exciting. We will love, we will face loss, we will be faithful, and other times we may find ourselves unfaithful. We will hold the future when we hold a newborn son or daughter or grandchild experiences that most of you have yet to have but will. And we will stand over the caskets and gravesides of those who go before us leaving us to grieve. We will see some come to faith and others ultimately reject the gospel that we cling to that so identifies who we are. If our consciences guide us, we will be misled and we will fall into the great mistake of the people of God during the time of the judges who did what was right in their own eyes. But if we walk in the Spirit, we will win the day and share in the glory of Christ's many victories. His resurrection will be ours and, and will drive our hope. But our own failures may at times take our eyes off of that truth. We will have to look through and work through the consequences of our own actions. And at other times, we will feel and embrace the freedom of forgiveness, leaving our sin behind. But in the end, when all is said and done, may we lay down our swords and our trowels and gaze at the face of Jesus, knowing that in all of the gain and loss, we have counted it all as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus and beholding his face in unblemished glory. We will see him. We will know him as he is. You will be like him. You will have no pain, no suffering, no questions. There will be no sin, no temptation, no more consequences, no regret. There will be no abuse no addiction just jesus and us and eternal everlasting never-ending experience of fullness and grace and what is on the other side of this victory heaven a kingdom where we will reign with christ jonathan edwards said it this way heaven is a place where we will see only in all that is adorable and affectionate beautiful and bright brilliant bountiful delightful delectable dazzling elegant exciting fascinating and fruitful glorious and grand gracious and good happy and holy healthy and whole joyful jubilant lovely majestic marvelous marvelous savoring tender euphoric and unified it is an ever and increasing grace but what will be absent from heaven nothing will be polluted pathetic poor nothing dark dismal dismaying or degrading nothing blameworthy blemished blasphemous or blighted nothing faulty faithless frail or fading nothing grotesque or grievous hideous or insidious nothing illicit or illegal lascivious or lustful nothing marred mutilated misaligned misinformed nothing nasty nothing offensive or odious or rancid or rude or soiled or spoiled nothing tawdry or tainted tasteless or tempting nothing vile vicious wasteful or wanton because there will be no sin and Sam Storm says this, it is an ever and constantly increasing grace that he describes this way. We will be constantly more amazed with God, more in love with God, and thus ever more relishing his presence and our relationship with him. Our experience of God will never reach its consummation. We will never finally arrive as if upon reaching a peak we discover there's nothing beyond. 
Our experience of God will never become stale. It will deepen, develop, intensify, amplify, unfold, increase, broaden, and balloon. Our relishing and rejoicing in God will sharpen and spread and extend and progress and mature and flower and blossom and snowball and proliferate and advance and heighten and accelerate and multiply and reach a crescendo that will even then only be the beginning of an eternity of new and fresh insight into the majesty of of who God is. To help us understand this, Wayne Grudem describes time in the new creation. The new creation will not be timeless, but will include an unending succession of moments. Since we are finite creatures, we might also expect that we will always live in a succession of moments, just as we will never attain God's omniscience or omnipresence, so we shall never attain to God's eternity in the sense of seeing all time equally. We will rather live in a succession of moments that will never end. In other words, the joy will be endless and the experience will constantly get better for all of eternity. And for you, that experience has already begun. So you're defined by the four things that Paul laid out for us. What you flee from, what you pursue or follow after, what you fight for, what you take hold of. Remember that there are no days off. Take a day off. Get eaten by a lion. Number three, fix your eyes on Jesus and behold his glory every day. Take it in, soak it up, dwell on it. Number four, let the gospel drive everything you do. I mean everything. Number five, choose your heroes wisely, both those of the faith and those outside of the faith. Put into practice these things. Do that and you will put away childish things. Put away childish things. This church is proud of you guys. I'm proud of you. I wouldn't have driven down here if I didn't love you and care about you, and this church wouldn't have made this day possible if they weren't so proud of you. You guys can do anything you set your minds to, but you can do things of significant value if you set your mind to that thing that Christ has set his mind on. And that's what's really going to matter. That's what's going to matter 100 years from now. It'll be worth it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these young men and young ladies who have spent a lifetime to this point growing from seedling to adult, from from unknown in this world, known only in your providential foreknowledge, to a place where now they stand looking at what could potentially be earth-changing, societal-shifting, the volume of talent and gifting and courage and impact, the amount of love and goodness and mercy that could go out of this group of graduates could have such an impact on this world. I pray, Lord, that they would fix their eyes on Jesus. I pray that we'd help them to do that as mamas and daddies and pastors and leaders and friends and coaches and teachers. I pray they'd surround themselves with godly people as they head off in new directions, many of them leaving home. I pray that they would be in a place where they're surrounded by people that love Jesus and want to see them love Jesus more than anything. That they'd love the gospel. That they'd be rooted in truth. You'd keep them from swaying into the deceptions and lies that the world is going to offer them. They'd stay the course. We're proud of them. We're thankful for them. And we thank you for them. 
Thank you for a church that preaches the truth and disciples people well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brody. A rich history between Snowbird and uh, Pitts Baptist Church. You mentioned a hundred of our people have gone through the leadership aspect of Snowbird. When did Snowbird begin? 97. Okay, okay. Uh, some of you know this, some don't. Uh, my wife was a preacher's kid. Uh, the last church he pastored, uh, my father-in-law pastored, was First Baptist of Andrews. And uh, he passed away of a massive heart attack when Connie was just five years old. He actually left the ministry out of Andrews to come back to Charlotte because of cardiac issues. Had to get out of the ministry. They came back to Charlotte. Connie's brothers raised in, in Andrews. They got back to Charlotte, though, her parents, and Connie was an uh-oh baby. So she was the baby. A surprise. I'm thankful for surprises. But anyway, uh, so Andrews is a special place to my wife's family and special place because of Snowbird to Pitts Baptist Church. Uh, we have a very special group of young people at this church. I mean, you look at their faces this morning and all the hope and expectancy that's in their faces. Uh, we need to be much in prayer for them as they begin a new chapter in their lives. You turn a page over from where he preached this morning out of 1 Timothy, and in 2 Timothy you see Paul talking about young Timothy, the rich heritage that he had with a grandmother and a mother. And that's an encouragement to ladies in a single household. His dad's not mentioned there, but the mother and the grandmother is, and their sincere faith, and how Paul says to Timothy, I see it in you now too. A sincere faith in you. And it's powerful, the word that he uses there. Our English translations say genuine or sincere, and I understand that, but the Greek word is the word hypocrite with the alpha negative in front of it, to negate it. Timothy, as I look at you, I see a faith of no hypocrisy is literally what Paul's saying there. You cut Timothy when he would bleed sincerity. And young people, that's the kind of faith the world is looking for right now in Christians. Sincerity. No hypocrisy. What, what do too many say about the church? Of course, we know it's an excuse they like to throw out, but what do they say about the church? It's full of what? Hypocrites. Go out and be a non-hypocrite, sincere, genuine. When, you, when you're cut, your faith bleeds genuineness. And that's what will make the impact in the world as salt and light. We're proud of you, all these wonderful young men and women, and 
look out in this congregation and, and see the mothers and the grandmothers, as Paul could say of Timothy, but also the fathers and grandfathers. A rich legacy of faith. And how we can continue to be a part of their lives to surround them with prayer and undergird them with prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand and uh, we are going to dismiss the graduates and they will be going down to the core and let me say this to, to everyone going down to the core for the meal go in the front door where the columns are not the side door but walk around the sidewalk and loop around to the very front and there will be some people there to greet you and welcome you in and help you uh, to be seated but uh, let's dismiss with a benediction from the book of Jude a wonderful benediction there that we find and then we're going to ask Laura to play as our graduates dismiss out of here and we will follow them we're asking you not to stop in the lobby and cluster there, but keep moving to the core. Jude says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Listen to this, graduates. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Amen. Graduates, if you would prepare to, to watch out.